Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Handsome Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which was recorded during the evening of July 27th, 2022, we discuss the RCMP's usage of stock images, we wrap up the Majorville Potato Man story, we cringe at a creep in Ontario, and we shake our fists at an axe attack in Halifax. So let's get to it. Handsome Aaron Airport. We had to reschedule because of you. I know, it's a huge headache for you, the listeners. Um, the whole thing is just as selfish of me, actually. Um, I should, shouldn't be thinking of myself in these times. I should be thinking of others. And I should be acting accordingly and uh, putting my own interests behind the interests of the greater mankind. Not even the interests of greater mankind. The convenience of Jordan. Well, you are mankind to me. Um, so we rescheduled because last night there was uh, some rehearsals for your show this coming Friday. We've talked a lot about this show. You and a group, a ragtag group of misfits are performing in full the Bare Naked Ladies album, Gordon, on just about the, is it the 25th anniversary? It's the 30th. 30th. So mm-hmm. give or take a day or two, you're doing it right on the 30th at The Hat in downtown Sydney. I believe there are still a few tickets available. Uh, it's filling up. But uh, yes, if you are in town on the 29th in Sydney, Nova Scotia, uh, at the Highland Arts Theatre, there are some tickets remaining. So uh, I would get on the horn right away or get online and buy them at uh, highlandartstheatre.com. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun show. We're looking forward to it. We put a lot of work into it. Um, So we're just excited to finally present this to people. And you told me you're going to be recording some of it. So maybe after the show, like in next week or the week after his episode, we can have a little piece to give people a taste of what they missed if they do miss it. Yeah. And we'll be doing this show elsewhere as well. It's not the only performance we're going to do of it. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to try and take it around, hopefully Nova Scotia, at least, you know, and see, uh, see how many shows we can book in the late summer and into the into the fall so yeah well let's get into it uh or actually not quite get into it yet what's new with you other than all of this with the show have you had time for any other weird adventures anything interesting um i went to a graveyard today i guess what? that falls into the yeah it was for like a, a service um an uncle that i that uh you know my uncle I never knew him. I met him once, I think. Uh, he passed away last year. And uh, so anyway, they finally kind of got his ashes over here. And they had um, just a little small little kind of self-made service um, at the site where his ashes are going to rest. And so, yeah, it was it was, it was was nice to see some family. But it's, it's a bit, uh, you know, it's a bit different going to a a small service for someone that you really 
wouldn't know yeah. at all so, if you saw like, a picture of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah sounds like it. But at the same time, what you've just described almost sounds like the beginning of like a mystery novel or something. Yeah, like, uh, you know, some kind of a, a bizarre treasure map is left to me by this uncle that I have. Yeah, you've know. never known him. And then they, for some reason, they had the service near your house and he left something in his will that only Aaron could see. We open mm -hmm. it and it's a treasure map. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I'm seeing this play out. But it sounds like that's not the case. It was just kind of like an awkward family get together. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he loved his cat. He had a cat of 20 years that was his, you know, closest companion. And I related to that, you know, as I have a cat of, you know, 12, 13 years. And, and he's he's my main priority in my life. It's a gorgeous cat. Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't think I've had much. I haven't been up to much weirdness. But something kind of weird happened to me today. And as a result of that, or not happened to me today, I think it happened yesterday. Uh, and I think it's going to take us on a little bit of an adventure here. So I love adventures. If you just kind of put your brain in everything we talked about during the last episode, if you recall much about the last episode, um, something happened. We struck a nerve with someone during last week's episode. And it came to me in the form of a voice memo through my website. Listeners can go to nighttimepodcast.com slash contact and rather than an email, send me their voice. Okay. And I know nothing about this for the listeners at home. Uh, Jordan assured me that we'd have some surprises tonight and, uh, and he wouldn't give me any more information. So I'm hearing this for the first time. Here's what came through. Hey, my name is Catherine Clarou, and I heard about myself on your podcast, and I would love to talk to you guys. Uh, I think this could be a lot of fun. Hope I get to talk to you soon. Do you have any idea who this is? No, no. Okay. Do you remember last week on the morning I was taking my kid to daycare? We had an incident at the Tim Hortons drive-thru. Oh. This all happened in Halifax. In Halifax, it's kind of a big city, but somebody, everybody knows everybody. So a nighttime listener must have got word to the, turns out to be very nice naked lady I saw in the Tim Hortons drive-thru. She heard our coverage of her story and she wanted to tell us a bit more about why she was naked in a Tim Hortons drive-thru at about 8.30 in the morning in the rain last week. Now, this is what this kind of thing that I love. And the reason is, is because there's so many of these stories that we talk about where we can't get the other side of it. And all we can do is speculate and ask questions and wonder, you know, how did this person come to this situation? You know, what decisions did they make or what circumstances were presented to them that led them to this particular situation, this just this fairly odd situation? And this is a rare circumstance where we get to actually hear the other side. Yeah, and it's and it's a great story that's gonna that will get to bring full circle. Because what's more, keep Canada weird than a completely naked woman uh, in a Tim Hortons drive-through first thing in the morning in the rain in Halifax? Especially while I'm in the process of covering the first album of the Bare Naked Ladies. Whoa, it all works together. Let's give her a call. Her name's Catherine. She won't hear you, of course, Aaron. Okay. But if you have a question, tell me and I'll hear you. Mm -hmm. Hello. Hey, Catherine. That's Jordan. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Jordan? 
I'm doing wonderful. I have my co-host Aaron on the line, although you won't be able to hear him, but he's very excited to hear more <laughs> about your story. Uh, let's let's keep let's start simple. Who who are you? Well, I am a single mother of four children who rents a flat in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I am currently on social assistance and. Uh, I've been walking around without my shirt for about a year now. Hmm. Uh, I first thing I notice in talking to you on the phone is your lovely accent, which kind of sounds like something between Irish, <laughs> Scottish, and Newfoundland. Yes, I grew up in Newfoundland, and I was the daughter of a missionary in Newfoundland. Very That's cool. Where I grew up. Well, let's uh, get into your story. The the way I come to learn about you, the story, uh, your story, quite literally showed up. Um, as I was going through the drive-through of Tim Hortons last week, you were uh, completely naked, no socks, yeah. no shirt, no anything, uh, sitting on a curb in the Tim Hortons drive-through. What the heck were you up to? What's happening here? Well, I've been trying for about a year to walk topless in Halifax and and to be comfortable on hot days if I chose. And I was being told by the police that I was going to be arrested if they caught me with my shirt off. I was being told I was harming children by walking with my shirt off. I was I was getting attacked from a lot of directions. And that morning, it all came to a head for me. And I was walking down the street topless, and I got some pushback, and I just took off my pants and started walking up the street. Huh. Um, so oh. it, it, it starts with you being topless uh, and builds up to this naked in the drive through thing. But at the topless, how did that start? Like what led you to be like, you know, I want to be topless? Like it, I understand it's more of an advocacy thing and activism. How did it well, start? I know what it feels like on a hot day to not have a shirt on my body. Not many women have that. When I expanded my boundaries and started going to the naked beach and 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 opening and understanding that all not naked not all naked was sex, when I found out that I had the right to go topless, I just wanted to start using that right. So I started walking out from the beach without my shirt. What kind of reaction were you getting at the start? Well, with this? I was shocked because I thought that I was I was afraid of men at first. People were like, "You can't do that. Men will just rape you because your breasts are out." And I was like, "Whoa, that's scary." But what happens is this: I'm running. When a man sees me, their their eyes immediately go to my breast, and there's this look for a moment of, "Do you know your breasts are out?" And I answer yes with my eyes, and then they talk to me and they treat me with respect. It, it was totally unexpected what happened. Hmm. Uh, women seem to have to be more galvanized. They're either really supportive or really not supportive hmm. of what I'm doing. Um, and you and I talked earlier about the double standard that exists uh, between uh, the ability for a man to go topless to the gas station and pump gas versus the experience you had. Maybe tell us about yeah. what happened when you pumped gas uh, without your top on recently. Well, I, I was working. This was a challenge to myself. I wanted to see how far I could get into the city. So the first, the TikTok before that was I just got out of my car without my shirt off, and I stood without my shirt for like 30 seconds, and that was the most I could do, and I put my shirt back on. And so the next challenge was to pump my gas topless, because that was a big thing for me. So I did it, and I made a TikTok, and 90,000 people watched this TikTok. And the gas station got a lot of complaints that I had my tits out in, in pumping gas. And and 
uh, the manager came out and spoke to me, and she said, Catherine, we would prefer you not to have your breast out on our property. And I said, well, okay, can you tell me why? And she kind of couldn't answer, and then I said, well, are, aren't men allowed to have their shirts off on your property? And she said, no, they're not. And I've questioned that, and and it, it was, I totally obeyed the rule of keeping my shirt on, but... It, it felt like they were, I, I've seen men be topless and not be, as to have their shirt put, put it back on. So, Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. And I've seen it at that very gas station. It's one that it's where this all takes place is like my neighborhood gas station. So I've seen uh, yeah. lots of cool it's guys. With go, right in Fairview. It's the center of Fairview. It's where everyone gets their gas and their coffee in the morning. Yeah, and then when I was yeah. getting my coffee in the morning last week, I had quite the surprise <laughs> to see uh, to see a, a, a naked person, which it wasn't something I expected to see on a rainy morning um, yeah. at eight thirty or so. But let's let's talk about that. So, how do you end up bringing it from being topless and experimenting a little bit and testing your comfort zone and maybe society's comfort with it? How does that go from that to I'm just taking it all off and sitting on the curb at the drive-through? Well, I, it, ah, Jesus, that's a great answer. I, 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 it was a big fuck you as I took my pants off and, and walked. I laid them on this, uh, I've been making crosses for a lady I talked to, and I put my pants there at the bottom of West of Wild and I started walking. And I just wanted to talk to the police. I wanted them, I, I wanted, I wanted to know the answer. Was it okay for me to be topless? What was the line? And I walked from, there all the way up, if you know, Fairview to Ashdale. And on the way, a woman asked me what was wrong. She said, what, what are you doing, sweetheart? I said, I'm walking for hope and freedom, and I'm going to keep walking that way until the police come. Hmm. And then on the way back down, it was, oh, I was walking past that gas station, and it was full of people. And I'm I'm entering, I'm, I'm pre-menopausal. I get these rushes of... And it, it was like I just had to sit in the drive-thru fully naked because they had made me not take my top off for months. And I sat there for probably 45 minutes fully naked as all the cars were driving by. I mean, one woman went even, she said, do you need anything? I said, I could really use a smoke and a tea. So she went in and got me a tea and a smoke. I sat there with that warm tea shivering in the rain because it was cold that day. Mm-hmm, it was. And, uh, when I arrived on the scene, it was just as the police were approaching you. Uh, how did it end? Well, actually, what happened is she hadn't even been called. She'd noticed that I was naked and pulled in to say hello or, you know, make sure I wasn't, you know, it was some kind of crazy. And we had started talking. And at that point, the manager found out that I was sitting in her drive-thru na- naked. Her ma- her name is Tasha. She's the one that made the rule of no topless Catherine in the dro- anywhere on the property, even under the tree. And uh, she said, Catherine, you have to go. And I said, okay. But the police were there, and I had to talk to them. And, and she... Uh, I went over and and she said, well, you're naked. I said, yes. And she said, what's going on? And I told her about how I wasn't allowed to be topless there. And I've been told that I was allowed to protest. The officers at the top of the hill left me with saying, as long as you don't go into any establishment, you're welcome to walk. So I do. You, and yeah. and when I showed up, it looked like they were putting something around your waist. Did they like make you put oh, on like no, a sweater? No, the something? woman that brought me the tea and the cigarettes also brought me a shirt to sit on. Okay, okay. 
I can't even remember what happened um, exactly at that point. It seemed like you're kind of always testing where the line is. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you, you found that the line was somewhere past being topless. Uh, you go all the way naked. At any point, do you find out what the line is for the police uh, for as far as what you can do before you really get a hard time? Well, yes. The police have told me that I am allowed to be topless wherever a man is allowed to be topless. But I must keep my bottom parts covered at least with a something that you would wear at the base, at, at, the, at the beach. Okay. Uh, and now... It, this I, You had told me today you, you spent the day at, at the beach with some family. And I know you have children. You mentioned being a mother of several, I think you said five kids. How, how does, four, four. <laughs> how, how do your kids deal with this? Like I, I would just, I, I, I can understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I, and I agree with, with a lot of what you're doing. But I just think if it was my mom, I'd be like, oh, like, does it have to be my mom that's yeah. proven this point? How, how do your yeah. kids feel? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my oldest daughter, she was my inspiration. She was in the Occupy movement, and she's in almost 30 and lives in Hull. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't really pay attention much to what's going on with me. My son, I haven't talked to in a couple of years. Um, we had a falling out. My 20-year-old daughter comes to the Naked Beach with me. She prefers to keep her shirt on and says she'll never use the right to be topless anywhere but at the beach. But she supports what I'm doing, but she thinks I went too far. Mm. And my youngest, um, they have decided that they don't want to speak to me. And, and at 16, I don't blame them. Okay. They really don't. At this point, I have no tickets. I have no nothing on my record. I am still clean. Wonderful. Well, Catherine, I appreciate yeah. you contacting me and giving <laughs> us a glimpse, uh, I guess, within this strange story or this strange I moment know. like for, for me to drive by you without context in a tim's drive through uh i i had no idea what your story is and in talking to you uh it's it's a much different story i guess than i would have expected yeah. i know you're busy on tiktok although they've been kicking you off the platform on well, occasion how do they many people have been reporting me for community guidelines just because of what i'm talking about so mm-hmm. i'm i'm barred from posting another week but i'm, I'm starting a youtube channel because I just, I would love for this to spread across Canada where women feel free to walk topless if they want to. Okay, well, I will, I'll include in my episode links to where people can find you to see your videos and hear more of your story. I appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. This was a pleasure. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. Mystery solved? Yeah, no, it's, it was really cool to, to hear the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Um... It, it ties into so much of what, like things we've been talking about. Because we had this the series of uh, or the episode, the stories in Montreal with the protests. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, there was a topless woman at a park um, who had who was given a hard time by police. Given a hard time by the police. Yeah, many and, supporters uh, showed up to kind of protest for her, and we ultimately ended our discussion around that by saying like topless, cool. But pants should, or like some yeah, kind of yeah. unders you know. should always stay on. And this goes, and that's across the board for everybody. You know, men, men and, and women, women, and, and anything know, in between or beyond, or it's yeah. um, you know, uh, yeah, it's topless for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, especially you know, like we just went through the the three or four hottest days, you know, in a, in a really long time. <laughs> Yeah, I would be so more concerned about someone with a top on when the temperature's 35 degrees. 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not a take my shirt off in public kind of guy. I took my shirt off in the driveway a couple of days ago. I was putting some sunscreen on, and uh, you know, normally I do it inside, and I was like, I'm just gonna take my shirt off here in the driveway and do it. But I've, I've never done that before, and it was actually, uh, even though I take my shirt off in public all the time when I go to a beach or I go swimming or whatever, but like just in general, just standing in the driveway, I don't know. With this, yeah. Just, it was you, it was different for me. You kind of experienced a bit of what Catherine maybe felt when she was naked at the drive-through. Yeah, certainly to a small degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, I when I saw her, my first thought was kind of the you know mental health and uh, uh, an episode like that's kind of I was thinking about someone having a breakdown or something. But in talking to her, I don't know if I'm just a sucker for an interesting person, but she seemed very sweet and normal. Oh and yeah, no, completely. Yeah, like it's you, like you're sitting across the table from her, having a cup of tea, and she's just explaining of, in a very articulate way of of how she ended up in that situation and where she was coming from, and it was awesome. It's like there's so many of these kind of stories that we cover where we don't get to hear the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we just sit here wondering, like, what. What circumstances brought that person to that situation, you know, because sometimes there's very logical and sensible reasons as to how somebody got to that point, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And not everybody is going to agree with her, but I see um, what she does. I think she like I will say, I believe she pushed it too far with the full nakedness, especially somewhere where there'll be kids like my kids. First, even for yourself, though, like when you're fully naked in public, like going about your day, like first off, you have no pockets. That's a pain in the butt, right? And then, like she said, uh, someone had to give her a shirt to sit on. Could you imagine? Yeah, you can't just like. And if you're pumping gas fully naked, like that's 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 zero layers in between my genitals and gas. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, that solves that mystery. Let's get into the into the stories here. So I have a we have a pretty full card even without considering what we've the, the journey we've already been on. We're going to talk about the RCMP's use of stock images. We're going to meet the conclusion in the Majorville Big Potato story. I have a story about a creep and then we're going to talk about an axe attack. Not necessarily in the order I just presented them though. Mm-hmm. Where, do you want to start, where are we going to start this? You decide. You pick this week. You you decide. Uh, let let us do the the RCMP's usage of stock photos. I could maybe classify this as Canadian crime, but I'm not going to. Although it is a crime story, uh, mm-hmm. I think that I think ultimately what this is going to be is the story of the police kind of putting the cart before the horse in an investigation. The two suspects in accused killer Rabbi Al-Khalil's jailbreak initially identified from these photos, which turned out to be fake IDs available for purchase online on various websites. After Vancouver Sun reporter Kim Bolin broke the news Saturday, RCMP confirmed the previously released images of Al-Khalil's alleged accomplices are stock images that do not represent the actual suspects. It's believed the suspects showed the fake IDs at North Fraser Pre-Trial Center Thursday evening when Al-Khalil was able to escape in a white Econoline van with two others RCMP say were posing as or employed as contractors. 
the maximum security facility is equipped with high-quality cameras. RCMP say as soon as clear enough footage of the suspects is obtained, it will be released. BC's top cop says there may be investigative reasons behind the delay and was surprised to hear about the stock photo release. Al Khalil is charged with first-degree murder in the 2012 shooting death of gangster Sandeep Dure at the Sheraton Wall Centre. His criminal trial is set to resume in BC Supreme Court, while a warrant has been issued for his arrest. Immigration lawyer Richard Curlin says cameras and facial recognition software will catch everyone at airports and land borders, so Al Khalil may be lying low if he's still in Canada. Yeah, ultimately, this man, Al Khalil, is in prison, being charged with a, gang, a 2012 gangland shooting in prison waiting for his trial for a long time by the sounds of it if it was a 2012 shooting mm -hmm. uh, two men show up at the prison using with fake ids pretending to be contractors they get into the prison either pretending to be or actually are contractors they get into the prison while in there they use something called a plasma gun to uh which you know I thought only existed in, in futuristic sci-fi movies or something. Yeah, whatever it is, it's a real thing. But they used it to get him out of his cell. They flee with him. Uh, but I guess to get into the prison, they would have had to like provide ID and they must have had a copy of it. So the police released the photos from the fake ID they left behind uh, saying like, these are the guys that helped him escape. But all you need to do is search either of the images online and they're like your super typical stock photos, you know? So there's pictures like that same photo is used to sell products or used in like random samples mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, wallet ID cards and all these sorts of things. Um, yeah, they're the photos that I use on my Tinder dating profiles. But the, I guess the police in, in their defense the photos were close enough of a match that these people were allowed in prison with those IDs. So I guess releasing them, I don't know, at least it's, it's probably bears as close of a resemblance as one of those hand-drawn things just makes them look bad. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, it's, it feels sloppy or something, or uh, you just would think that, that, uh, but I don't know. I mean, on the other end of it, like, did are they claiming that the suspects looked like these these stock photos? I think what they're saying, what they're claiming, is the suspects look enough like them that they were able to get into prison using them. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, if if let's say if if you had a fake ID, it must look somewhat like you. Mm -hmm. If I was looking for you, it'd be kind of weird though to release that photo from your fake ID. Well, I mean, if that's all they've got, so, you know, we've got two suspects where we know they look like these photos enough to get into a prison. Man, it would take balls to get into a prison with a fake ID to break someone out. I can't, I can't fathom the fact that people um, attempt that. Like, to mm -hmm. me, that just seems like a guaranteed to get caught kind of crime, trying to break into a prison and then get somebody out like it seems like the kind of thing that only happens in movies and the fact that people actually try this in real life it's it's crazy yeah and and get away with it in this case yeah <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable to me that that exists 
<laughs> yeah, I would not have the guts to do it. Um, but I guess I don't have any friends that are in prison that I want to get out. Well, here's the here's the question. If I was in prison for, you know, whatever, you know, something. Being naked somewhere. No, I don't think I get sent to prison for that unless, no. Something else. Something doesn't matter what I'm in for. Espionage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some kind of counter espionage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, would you break me out if I asked? I don't think I would break you out, but I think I would maybe help get stuff in there for you that you could use to barter. Like, I would maybe try to find a way to get stuff. In. Oh, like the drones that we talked about that story. A few yeah, you weeks would ago. plant the you would yeah. plant a bush. Two years later, when the bush is a half decent size, I would learn how to use a drone, and I would drop off stuff. But then again, I don't even know what you would want in there. I think you'd probably be. Quite I would content. need some currencies, like you know, uh, drugs, cigarettes. You know, like anything I can do to kind of. Um, gain, cl- gain, stand my quote. worth here in in prison to protect myself. Where it's like I'm a guy who has access to someone on the outside with a drone, who who makes drop offs for me, and I'm the person who has access to that person. So you need to protect me, and I can provide you with cigarettes or drugs or uh, you know pornographic magazines, you know <laughs> whatever kind of whatever you will get me. If I if I could help keep you safe, yeah, I would do it for you. But, you would do that, but you but would not, I sneak you would not in, break me out of prison. No, I'd harbor you if you got out on your own. You would, okay, because that will get you in a lot of trouble if you were to harbor a fugitive like that. Mm, I got you. Okay. I, I got yeah, you. Great. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, since we've already wrapped up the story of the naked sighting at Tim Hortons that I had. Let's wrap up another story. This one has kind of found its way through a few episodes we've covered. Uh, This is the saga of the Majorville Big Potato. The Big Potato in Majorville, New Brunswick has gone from looking like tatered, tattered to sophisticated spud. As CTV's Allison Sampsis tells us, the, the russet restoration has been a labor of love for the community. Majorville's Big Potato attracted a lot of spectators today as it was unveiled following a major renovation. It's a great idea. You know, it's part of the community. It's been here for years, and I think it's a great idea that they did that. And I think it matters to a lot of the farming community. Like, I hope it really is going to be something that lasts. For Leon Dagla, it was his first time doing this sort of masonry repair. But it's all related with masonry, so it's something that we do, where restoration and stuff. Yeah. New owners of the farm raised $10,000 this spring to keep the big potato from being mashed, as its concrete was chipping away after standing there for more than 50 years. But it was not without challenges. We originally had Monsieur Albert DeVoe was supposed to come out and do the restoration. And literally the week of, he passed away suddenly, unfortunately. So that left us scrambling looking for another contractor. The community came together to keep their iconic top-hatted tater in its place. The Big Potato has been here at what is now known as Silver Valley Farms for about 53 years. They're hoping now with this remodel that they'll hold on for another 50 plus here in the Majorville Sheffield community. You saw a photo of it. I think the Big Potato looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. Still, you know, still quite a likeness to Mr. Peanut. Oh, yeah. It's still very, it looks like a peanut with eyes all over its body. 
Yeah, which is, you know, creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it and it has a hand that it it's not like it's its hand is extended. One hand is on its hip or what should be the potato's hip. The other hand is reaching out to the side. It should probably be waving, but its hand is kind of curled in this twisted sort of claw. In a grabbing way. It's going to grab you. Yeah, I do find it creepy. But now that it's Mm -hmm. restored, it certainly looks like it's in much better shape. And they seem to have put like a layer of like glaze over it. It's very shiny and reflective. Um, Yeah, I'm sure they're thinking ahead 50 years into the future where it's like, it'd be great if we don't have to restore this thing again. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's going to be in good shape for a while. I think the people in major of Majorville, uh, they're not going to have to worry about this for a while. Until the uh, Mr. Peanut Company comes after them for copyrights and uh, uh, says, yeah, "Please trademark. take our our mascot likeness uh, down and put up something that looks more like a Mr. Potato." Yeah, they could. I you know honestly, when I look at it, they could probably find themselves in a trademark dispute mm-hmm. like though you know the peanuts is it whatever the peanut what i don't know what brand of peanuts has that planters maybe maybe but it's like the this iconic kind of look yeah of mr peanuts yeah at the top and i think it has and... a cane or something yeah he dances he he, he has a, a really um exuberant nightlife that he lives and he entertains and performs and uh, everyone loves being around him mm-hmm. well the majorville potato is kind of like his uh I don't know if people want to get grabbed by that potato. <laughs> but they want to go dancing with the peanut. They want to dance with the peanut. There may be some people who are so intrigued by will or will not the giant potato grab me. And maybe they want to go around and kind of just see if they get grabbed. But hmm. other than that, that's it. Every, everybody all mostly prefers Mr. Peanut. He's a great dancer. charismatic. Uh, he's talented. So I think... Um, I think they're going to run into some real issues here. Our next segment is going to be Canadian crime. Let's do it. This week in Crime in Canada. We got two back-to-back crime stories. Uh, One is creepy, I think, and one is just frustrating and makes you want to, I don't know, learn more about what happened and get mad at the person responsible. Uh, let's start with the creepier one, so that way we can have the. I think we'll be able to reset or, or cleanse our palate after this before we wrap things up. Yeah. So the idea of like a a prowler, night prowler, kind of creep who's invading your yard. I don't. That just gives me. I don't know. It just. I just don't like the idea of anyone coming on my property or coming around my house. Uh, uninvited especially at night and especially when they're all kind of like shaved and creepy looking and freaky mm-hmm. um, there is a night uh, there's been a series of occurrences related to a night prowler in the east end of toronto and the person responsible has been charged multiple times but he's added again and was again charged By now, you've likely seen videos like this one. There is no shortage of images of Gerard Silas Purcell knocking on doors and ringing doorbells in Toronto's East End. Lock your doors. That's Leslieville sometimes. In the fall, police released this ring camera video to alert the residents of Leslieville. Purcell was identified after attempting to gain access to homes overnight and in the early morning hours. Last check of the cars, I have a smoke outside and we go in. 
and I've seen him out there at that time, which is 11, between 11 and 12. He was arrested and charged with a number of offenses, including attempted break and enter, prowl by night, trespassing by night, criminal harassment, assault, and assault choking. A few months later, arrested and charged again. I don't know what the system can do to to protect our neighbors and to get him the help that he needs. Jessica Farber had an encounter with Purcell in January on her way home from work when he grabbed her cell phone. He smashed it on the ground and ran away. So after when I got home, I told my husband and he was like, do you think that's the neighborhood prowler? And it totally was. Um, and I made a police claim and ended up pressing charges, um, which I think got him off the streets for a short period of time. And then unfortunately, he's just been back several times now. Like this month, more charges laid against Purcell, including fail to comply with probation. If he's knocking and harassing and being sent to jail or, you know, to the cops and then they're releasing him and he's coming back, then they need to say like, okay, enough's enough. We did reach out to Toronto police for comment. We were told that the courts released Purcell on July 18th and that he isn't currently wanted by police. Having said that, if members of the community do see something suspicious, they are urged to call the Toronto police non-emergency line 416-808-2222. Of course, if it is an emergency, then call 911. Want to also mention that there have been reports of Purcell knocking on doors, not only in this Leslieville area, but also in Riverside and Riverdale, where there have been concerns expressed as well. So, ultimately, we have a story there of what seems to be a very creepy repeat offender who's not afraid of reaching out and grabbing people or trying to get in their house. And it seems like, for one reason or another, the police aren't doing anything about it. Or yeah, at least they're that's... not doing anything serious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll get charged, but then, you know, just kind of sent back out to reoffend and We'll it seems again. like there's not anything proactive happening here on the police end uh, you know, it, to try and prevent this individual from from harassing these people over and over again. Certainly. And, and just in that one article, it, it talks about like he was arrested and charged now. Here's a little interview with someone who he grabbed their phone last year. And then here's three stories from months prior to that. It's just over and over again. But it, mm -hmm. it just shows that... You can, someone can be, you know, twisted or weird or nuts and, you know, breaking, committing petty crime, freaking people out, but really nothing happens until they take it too far. Like this. Yeah. Uh, until it, it's like well over the line and someone gets really hurt or someone, you know, gets, uh, it, yeah, you know, then whatever, you, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you can see the writing on the wall with this one and they just, you know, they just aren't going to do anything about it until, like you say, the extreme happens. Yeah, and then when the extreme happens, it's going to be like, you know, why didn't they do anything the other 15 times he tried to grab people and sneak in houses? Mm. And I, I don't know if you saw the photo that was used in the article, but it's, I think it was a still from the surveillance video or whatever, like a ring doorbell that one of the people in the story shared. But he just he's just standing on their back step looking so creepy. It's straight mm. out of a horror movie. The guy is, um, and even his like booking photo is used in the article. It looks like he has his head shaved and his eyebrows yeah. are very thin and he's very freshly shaved. It almost looks like he has no eyebrows. He just looks kind of nuts. Um, he freaks me out. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you're freaked out by him. 
Uh, but again, um, it's, it's, it's an ad for a video doorbell and a security system. When I hear a story like this, I think, thank yeah. God I have my house. Like, I'm so locked up and secure here. Uh, I feel like, you know, a ring doorbell for anyone who doesn't have one or a ring doorbell or an equivalent, one of those kind of video doorbells, they're yeah, so good yeah. to have. They are. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I see you going to the extreme and being one of these doomsday preppers, you know, and you you've got your bunker kind of made at, a, at a, some kind of an old bus school bus that you bought and you dug it into the ground and then you set up some kind of a, you know, kind of a doomsday end of the world scenario type, uh, you know, underground uh, bunker for yourself uh, with your provisions and uh, you know, uh, radios that can be charged without batteries and, is that true? Uh, I'm not quite a doomsday prepper, but I'm a few steps away. Uh, I, I think, honestly, I, I think I don't need to be much of a prepper because I have a friend who I think, and I've always said this, if anything goes nuts in the world, the economy collapses or some bizarre thing happens, this one friend, we both refer to them as Little Brad, uh, mm, I feel yeah, like society yeah. could collapse around him and he would hardly notice. Um, and, and would thrive in it. Probably. And he would thrive in it. Mm. So he's like ready for the Walking Dead. He should he, like if that was real, he'd be in charge there. Yeah, um, I can see that. But anyway, so much of my doomsday preparation involves like, would I be able to find him and get to where he is? Because I'm sure mm -hmm. he'd take me in. Um, he so would. Yeah. That's my plan is to go out like in the initial wave of whatever it is that's causing doomsday, whether it's tidal waves, whether it's nuclear bombs, whether it's. Uh, zombies you know my plan is to is to go out in the first few minutes mm. uh, i don't i don't want to i don't want to try to pick the pieces of society up i just want to just you know if it's a nuclear bomb that takes us out i want to be dead center i want to be right in the target zone i want to just be out like a light immediately as soon as it hits mm -hmm. if if a zombie apocalypse comes and the zombies are banging on my window i'm just going to open the door i'm going to hold my arm out they'll bite it and then i'll turn into one of them and i'll be happier for it <laughs> um wow i have a lot more will to live than you i've got will to live but like you know if you're scrummaging through you know 10 year old dented soup cans that you found you know that you had to cut a guy's head off to get if that's the kind of life you're living i'll take the afterlife thank you even if it's complete silent darkness mm, how eloquent you put that well <laughs> let's get into the last story of the night on that note uh you have me now depressed so i want to plow through this um this is a this is another dark one actually uh, speaking of uh, eternal darkness and silence, I don't know who does this, but there has been an axe attack in Halifax, but it's not what you would think. The An axe attack at the public gardens. Dad, can I do this one? You want to do this one, bud? Yes. Okay. Uh, Aaron, are you cool with a, co with a guest co-host? I am absolutely cool with it. Yes, this in terms of uh, if we're if we're bringing on a third co-host, uh, there's nobody else who I think would do a better job than Dominic. Okay, so this story is um, it's important for my son because this is it takes place at a place he spends a lot of time and a place that he enjoys. Oh. But before we get there, uh, my boy doesn't usually listen to nighttime. 
There's only one series he likes listening to. It is... Keep Canada Weird. Keep Canada Weird. I know. <laughs> he likes to say it that way. Um, I don't know why. Canadian. I like that. I why, like do you, that. why do you like this series, bud? Well, it's not as violent as all your other series. Yeah. And you do some really good topics. You like it? Oh, yeah. I love it. Dude, can you think of a past topic that you liked? I really like the fake dimes. No, the fake uh, toonies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a good I've one. always been back on their bed back there. <laughs> yeah, he usually sits behind as I'm recording. Yeah, um, nice. Well, bud, let's get into this story. So for, let, before we read the story, tell us about the public gardens. What is this place? Uh, the name says it all. It's a public place for garden. It's it's in the center of downtown Halifax where everyone can go to. It's open, you can just walk in. It's beautiful gardens, old trees, very old trees. Yes, and then trees. there's a lot of ducks. You can see a few turtles in the yep. large pond. There's two turtles. Uh breaking news. But somebody did something awful there cuz at night Those they they stupid people they lock it up at night with like a lar- and there's a large fence so you I, it would be hard to get in there at night but Someone grapple did it. Hook. So you could use a grapple hook. So why don't you start by reading the headline? Or uh, or a plasma gun. Plasma yeah. gun, yeah. Like from G.I. Joe or something. Ah, ah G.I. Joe. <clears throat> Police investigate after 30 trees vandalized at Halifax Public Gardens. Police are investigating after bark was stripped off the trunks of roughly 30 trees throughout the Halifax Public Gardens. The Halifax Public Gardens is closed and police are investigating after the popular park was vandalized. Halifax police say they were called at 7.30 this morning for a report of property damage. The Halifax Public Gardens says an individual or individuals broke into the gardens and damaged multiple trees with an axe. Crews spent the day cleaning up and trying to repair the damage. Police say the investigation is ongoing. The affected trees over the coming month. The total cost of the damage is now uh, about twenty bucks. No, not twenty bucks. <laughs> These are expensive large trees. So uh, let's let Aaron go first. Aaron, yeah. why would someone break in the public gardens at night with an axe and hack at like historic trees? Makes no sense. I can't think of a single reason, even a joke reason. I can't think like of any reason um that anybody would do this this is brutal yeah there's um there's a spot in the public gardens where it's a a big fountain and you you know of course people throw change in there i've heard of people jumping the fence at night to go to the fountain to steal all the change sure yeah yeah Yeah, i could at least i could at least meet them halfway on that one but yeah at least there's like a logical reason but to (laughs) go in there and damage the trees you, you would never be mad at the public gardens like they kicked me out i'm gonna get them by chopping up a bunch of their trees, it that just doesn't make any sense because it's no, it makes open zero sense. Yeah, right? it's such a beautiful little spot. Last yeah. time I was in Halifax, I had a walk there. It was great. Mm. What um, do you think, Dom? You got any idea why someone would do it? You and it's they say it's vandalism. Usually, a vandal is like a teenager who just does something dumb. You probably encounter some of these kind of idiots in your life. Uh, why would you imagine someone would do this? Because they're stupid. Yeah, yeah they're that's just so really. Stupid. Yeah. Even I can't even 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 if they are stupid, which they definitely are. Um, <laughs> I can't even like 
there's lots of stupid people in the world and not yeah. chopping innocent trees up, you know, for no reason. Yeah, no reason. It just seems like there's got to be something really specific going on here that we're unaware of. Yeah, and often when you hear of like a some kind of like vandalism thing, it's it's almost like a stupid joke gone too far. I just I even with this there's I could not see any humor in it whatsoever, so it doesn't seem like that's a possibility. Okay, maybe here's I'm stretching here, but here's okay. a theory. Somebody was in love, right? And every Sunday afternoon, uh, this person and the person that they love will go to the public gardens. Yeah. And then one day this person wakes up and there's a voicemail from the person that they're in love with telling them that they're no good it's over we're done you're a loser and i've met someone else and every sunday me and this new person go to the public gardens and i'll never go to the public gardens with you again that would hurt and so then that person says yeah think you're gonna leave me alone i'll show you and then they went into the public gardens and they hacked the trees up yeah and they're like have a nice date with the trees yeah yeah oh. have a, have fun trying to fall in love in this garden now <laughs> <laughs> the unpublic garden. the unpublic garden <laughs> yeah. um, i think you saw that you think that's possible Dom? possibly possibly but possible it's just i'm stretching here i just can't yeah. think of any plausible reason why anybody would ever do this yeah um we don't want to give away spoilers but the reason one of the reasons dom came on tonight to say hi and introduce himself is because in next week's episode he's going to have a segment that we're working on tomorrow so look yeah. forward to yeah. the next appearance you want to say bye to everybody hello goodbye hello goodbye every loving fan of mine yes yeah <laughs> Get back to it. Now he's back to his iPad. Thanks, Dom. That was awesome. Well, I hope the trees are saved. They've been releasing photos of uh, the damage yeah, I saw to some the of different the photos. trees. It just it's, it breaks your heart. Yeah, but they they didn't and they didn't chop the trees down. They just hacked at them. They just hacked at them. Yeah. Um, but these trees again, many of them are very old, rare. This is and, and they need to be yeah, treated well. Yeah, and if well, you so saw it's... this, you know, for people who've never been there, if you saw this public garden, it's a really beautiful, you know, public walking space downtown. It's it's just a really nice spot, and um, you know, families go there, and it's just a it's just such a great little park and it just sucks yeah a bizarre thing but hopefully the tree many of these trees can be saved but anyway um i'm sure we'll have an update on that i it's a big deal so i think they're going to be they'll likely find out who did it we'll see hopefully oh, i talk. hope so yeah definitely. um somebody in the in the chat asked uh, did any of the trees have to be removed or is it just surface damage at this point they say the majority of the trees should be able to be saved However, some of them seem to be um, uh, seem to be a chance that they may have to be taken down. So we'll we'll see um, what what they're able to make happen. But anyway, well, let's start wrapping this up, Aaron. For um, next week, what are we? What do we got? What are you looking forward to? Oh, I guess your show. 
Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, the show Friday, and um, yeah, so looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to keeping Canada weird next week as well. Well, let's wrap this up. Aaron, until next time. Until next time, Jordan. Uh, keep your pants Protect on. Protect the trees and keep your pants on. I want to thank you for joining Aaron and I for our Keep Canada Weird discussion. But before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big thanks to the Internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who supplies the intro and outro voiceovers. And a thanks to my son, Dom, for joining us in this episode. But the most important thanks goes out to every one of you listening, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping nighttime alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please consider listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll also give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, so for about the price of a cup of coffee, go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on this topic, I want to thank the newest subscribers, Miles, CC Senorita, and Don. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else out there who'd like to support the show but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or if you'd like to share a voice memo for Aaron and I to listen to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright. Jordan Bonaparte.